And we're back for the latest episode of the So Close Yet So Far podcast. Andrew King here with Zach McVay. We've got another round of NFL playoff football um, behind us. Conference championship games are this upcoming weekend. And man, it was it was an awesome weekend. Uh, four really good, good games. Um, Zach, what do you think? Yeah, the, the best thing about this this weekend's slate of games was all the games were within one possession for most of the time. Even the, the Ravens, Lamar got hurt and and they were they ended up being down two scores. Once they got down two scores, it was kinda of over, but like the Rams kept it close a lot of the time. The the Ravens Bills was one possession. Browns Chiefs, once Mahomes got out, you, you felt like the Browns could win. And then Bucks Saints were just back and forth the whole time. So every game in the third quarter, you thought either team could win the game, which is which is what you want. Oh, for sure. And especially those Sunday games. Obviously the the Mahomes injury and then the fumble through the back of the end zone for Cleveland in the first half. It was just a that was just a wild one. Um and then like you said, that that Buck Saints game, we were just talking about it. It was just a game. It wasn't pretty all the time. Um it there were definitely moments where you could tell that the combined age of the two quarterbacks was eighty five years old. Um but man, it was just a fun game because those those teams are so evenly matched um, across the board. And um, but yeah, Brady Brady and the guys move on. But yeah, we'll just start. Uh, we'll go through the order. We'll start with uh, Packers Rams. Um, number one seed Green Bay. The off week didn't really bother them. They seemed to they they controlled that one most of the way. What were some of your main thoughts from that one, Zach? Yeah, I mean the the run game was just unstoppable. They used all three running backs this game, which I hadn't really seen before, and. Aaron Jones broke off a long run. A.J. Dillon, the rookie, looked pretty good. Um, Jamal Williams had some good carries. So them focusing on the running game. And then because we all knew Devontae Adams is great and Jalen Ramsey following him. And Devontae still had a good game. I think he had one touchdown for 80 yards. But just the way they were able to run the ball against the Rams and and really set up Aaron Rodgers in the in the, uh, in the play-action offense. And, and they were just a really balanced team. And the Rams kept it close. Jared Goff played really well. I, I'm interested to see what they do with Jared Goff this season because his contract's up. Sean McVay came out and said uh, he was non-committal. He didn't commit to Jared Goff. He didn't say they were moving on. So that'll be that'll be a storyline to look at. But overall, the Packers took care of business and and the Rams were respectable. They the defense didn't play as well as maybe we expected. The the Packers kind of had their way with them, but their offense kept them in the game. So it was it was a fun one. Yeah, and I think that. Like you said, the the run game for Green Bay on 36 carries, they averaged 5.2 yards a carry on that that Rams defense that has really been one of the best in the league. That 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 unit has carried the the team in a lot of times this year. And um, their defensive coordinator um, just got announced last night, the new head coach of the L.A. Chargers. Um, and so, yeah, it was it was kind of a surprising performance to see from the Rams defense, I guess. But that just goes to show the complete offense that Green Bay team has because they do have Aaron Rodgers they do have Devontae Adams and really just I mean they had the Alan Lazard had a 58 yard catch but other than that the the Aaron Rodgers in the past game was I wouldn't say contained but you could tell that the Rams defense they they weren't going to let Aaron Rodgers go for 400 yards and five touchdowns and so they just beat him on the ground right they just beat him on the ground and and they contained Aaron Rodgers where he had 296 yards and two touchdowns so not a crazy game, but Rodgers still still did what he needed to. And it was kind of fun to see the the very first touchdown they scored. It was a one-yard touchdown to Devontae Adams. Devontae Adams goes in motion. He gets a head start on Jalen Ramsey and goes into the end zone, kind of like we were talking about what Alabama does with Devontae Smith. Um, 
So just you see you see these 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 plays being run in college, being run in the NFL, and they just work when you have the best player in the league. Yeah, and the the kings of the one yard touchdown, Mike Evans and Devontae Adams each got got one this weekend with their little. Mike Evans is just throw it up to him. He kind of just boxes out. I don't know who it was last night for the Saints. Yeah, and Devontae Adams. Yeah, and Devontae Adams got his too. Um, but yeah, and another big big note for the Green Bay: zero sacks. Um, Bakhtiari, their their all pro left tackle, is out. That was a big storyline coming into this game, and zero sacks for Aaron Rodgers. Obviously, he's he's not a running quarterback but we all know the the damage he can do inside of the pocket to evade evade those rushers yeah that one touchdown he had uh he got outside the pocket faked a throw got the defender up and then and then ran around him was kind of showed Aaron Rodgers still got he's 36 but he can still move around and zero sacks Aaron Donald might not have been 100 percent they they said that he was he said he was ready but he didn't he only played about 60 percent of the snaps and so who knows if Aaron Donald was really 100 percent but either way like you said the Packers offensive line taking care of business, protecting Aaron Rodgers, giving him time, and not just protecting Aaron Rodgers, but moving that line of scrimmage and and letting the the Packers running backs run all over the Rams. Got to give it to the offensive line, both in both categories there. Exactly, and that and that trio they have at running back is something that we see a lot of in in the playoffs. You know, um, if you can get multiple guys fresh, healthy, um, and then you've got a guy like Aaron Rodgers, it's going to be an interesting. Um, task for the Buccaneers defense next week. But um, we'll move on to, the, I guess, the, the first AFC game. It was um, Saturday night, Bills-Ravens. That was a, another just kind of wacky game. You know, it was really cold. There was snow before the game, obviously. Uh, we had talked about Lamar Jackson, the South Florida guy, really did not want any snow. And I, I can't put all the blame on Lamar, but it was just they the, the Ravens couldn't come through in multiple key moments and that that just cost them yeah Lamar never looked comfortable and I think honestly the biggest storyline for the Ravens from this game is Justin Tucker missing two kicks in a row for the first time in his career I know that that my jaw was dropped whenever that happened I I just couldn't believe that he would do it and and it had to do with it had to have to do with the weather it was windy in there they, they talked about the wind on the broadcast all night how it was affecting throws and affecting kicks but for both of them to bump off the upright and and six points in a game where only twenty points were scored overall is a that's pretty huge. So it you can't blame Justin, Justin Tucker because he's been so good for his career. This is just a crazy game for him. But but those six points really matter in this in this uh, low scoring game. Yeah, for sure. And it's it. I think I think it was a quote from Tucker. He said it was just really weird because it would be absolutely nothing, and then a random gust from a random direction where. He's like, you would get out there and you would really just not know where the ball and coming from a guy like him. I think that just goes to show it was it was it definitely played a factor. But I think the single if you want to if you want to put it on one thing, because this is this is a game where don't look at the box score because that's not going to tell you anything, um, because the Ravens had five drives that were inside the Buffalo 30 yard line. And out of the results, they had one made field goal, two missed field goals one turnover on downs, and then a pick six. Just as about as bad as you can do, um, given the opportunities. The Ravens, they, they ran for 150 yards. They outgained the Bills 340 to 220, but they only scored three points, you know. Um, and, I mean, they only the, that, that Ravens defense only gives up, I think it was about 55 yards a game on the ground, and the Bills just decided we're not going to run the ball. I think they, they handed the ball off to running backs eight times the entire game. 
they in the, in the first quarter they didn't run the ball at all except for Josh Allen. At the very end, they 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 end up running for sixteen times. I got it right here, but that was just because at the end they started they started pounding it. But like you said, throughout the game, they hardly ever even tried to run. They ended up with thirty two yards on sixteen carries. So again, two yards per carry for the Ravens. Um, and Josh Allen was was contained too. The 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 Bills' offense only scored ten points. Uh, because they had that pick six, the final score was seventeen to three. But I mean, it, it, it definitely the Ravens' defense came out came out to play against a really good offense. And like you said, the five drives on the thirty yard line, and you only get three points. I wonder if that's ever happened before. That's that's pretty pitiful. Yeah, and it, it I I can't blame it all on Lamar, and I'm a huge Lamar believer. But this is something. It's it's gonna it's gonna be on him. There were a lot of guys. I know Willie Sneed, um, he's a free agent receiver. And obviously you would think, how happy can these Baltimore receivers be? Because they know they're not in an offense um where they're not gonna get they're not putting up Pro Bowl numbers or anything like that. And just the way he talked about um Baltimore and just Lamar and how he he's like, whether I'm here next year, I know this is tonight is gonna make Lamar a better player. And just the way these guys talk about him, um it, it, it's like they're talking about some of the greats. Like they're talking about, we talk about Drew Brees, Tom Brady. Um, and so I'm not worried about Lamar, but he has shown he cannot make the throws in the red zone in the big games. That's where he struggled. The Ravens can't score points in the playoffs. And that's really what it comes down to. And so um, that that's that's my biggest storyline, I think, in terms of these superstar quarterbacks going into 2021. Well, the crazy thing about that pick six is that was Lamar Jackson's first red zone interception in his entire career. He'd never thrown an interception in the red zone before. And so it, it came in a in – a, actually, also, Josh Allen had never thrown an interception in the red zone before. And that, that streak is, is still alive. But Lamar's first red zone interception really cost them because they – if they go down and, and score or even get a field goal there, it, it's 10 to 6. And we got a whole different game. But once that pick six happened, it was 17 to three. Nobody had really been able to score all night. And everything just changed from that moment on. It was huge for momentum, huge for the game. And then I think Lamar got hurt on the very next drive. And then the, the game just was once Lamar got hurt, it was it was kind of a foregone conclusion. Yeah, but I mean, when it was 17 to three, that Ravens offense doesn't come back. Um, they don't, they don't. And it was, it was, it was going to be, I, if Lamar stays healthy, they don't win that game. I don't see it happening at all. And that's coming from a huge Ravens fan. Um, and part of that, maybe I I've been a big, I guess, critic of all the designed runs for Lamar Jackson. I get, he can, we, we, we talk about how he slips through these gaps. Um, and it's just insane how he gets through there, but it's like, you have the, one of the top athletes in football, let him sit back for four or five seconds and let him take off. Um, those those unscripted runs are where he thrives, and the, I don't I don't see that enough from him. But I will also give credit to the Buffalo defense because on the dropback passes on Saturday night, they were blitzing the hell out of Lamar Jackson, where there there was no time for him to escape or anything, and they, there was constant pressure on him all night, and that was a huge part of the Buffalo game plan. So you've got to give them credit as well. Yeah, and like you said about the pressure, especially in the red zone on that drive where he did throw the. The interception, the play before, he, and he got blitzed on the on the play where he threw the interception. But the play before, he had Marquise Brown wide open in the end zone, ready for ready to catch a touchdown, and they sent six guys and, and they got there, so he wasn't able to get the pass off. So blitzing Lamar, he wasn't able to get out of it tonight because they were just getting back there so fast, and it really mattered. 
But the one thing that I I noticed about the game is basically every every offensive player struggled except for the Josh Allen to stuff on Diggs connection. That connection has been amazing all year. Diggs led the league in receiving and he didn't disappoint in the playoff game tonight. He had another 100-yard game. <clears throat> Excuse me. He had eight catches for 106 yards, uh, one touchdown. He's the he's the X factor for this Bills offense. He's basically been unguardable all year, and in this big time playoff game, when nothing really is working, Stefan Diggs was all, was still always open. Yeah, and that that's a major takeaway because especially Devontae Adams, he had a solid night. I think it was nine catches for 60 yards and a touchdown. He only averaged like six yards a catch. Um, so not your usual Devontae Adams night. And if you look around the league, a lot of these big-name receivers were shut down because in the playoffs it comes down to let's make the other guys beat us. But the fact that Stephon Diggs had his his casual Sunday, Saturday, Saturday evening game, you know, um, and against that Ravens secondary where Cole Beasley was shut down most of the night because the Ravens' number three corner, Jimmy Smith, is a lot better than most number three corners. And so Stephon Diggs had to step up. John Brown had a couple of huge catches, and I was like, that, that's where I was kind of like, the Bills are going to win this game. Like, John Brown made a couple catches where it was like, okay, those are the big plays that neither side is really getting tonight. Um, and so, but yeah, Stefan Diggs, the best players shine. And we saw a lot of guys kind of get double, triple, triple teamed, whatever, to take them out of the game. That didn't happen with Stefan yeah. Diggs. Give Jimmy Smith his credit. <clears throat> give, give Jimmy Smith his credit. He's, uh, he's the guy, right, Andrew? Jimmy Smith. Yes, sir. Um. But yeah, this game, I think, I, I, I wonder how much the weather affected it. If the weather was normal, what would have happened? But that's just the type of thing you have to deal with when you, when you go to Buffalo. That's why Buffalo, they win 13 games this year. They get the whole home field advantage and it matters. It, it matters uh, in places like Buffalo, places like Lambeau next week. Um, and also Buffalo led in 7,000 fans and they were rocking this week. It was fun to have the fans back in the stands this weekend. Oh yeah, the home in Kansas City as well. Um, there, yeah, the home the home crowds were were there. Even even though there was only like I think it was only um, eight thousand in Green Bay, but they were still they were still rocking a little bit. And so yeah, no, that was a that was a that that's the best part about playoff football. You know those extra challenges along the way that just make it that much sweeter if you can you can win it all. Um, but yeah, we'll we'll move on to the Sunday game. The really I would say the wackiest one of the bunch. Uh, Chiefs Browns um, it was a pretty it was it was a weird first half the the Chiefs really dominated but the Browns defense was able to hold um, the Chiefs to two field goals in the second in the second quarter to end um, the Browns really had some awful luck with the fumble in the end zone that goes out of bounds turns into a touchback for the Chiefs it was 19 to 3 at halftime I personally thought the game was over and Patrick Mahomes goes down, and uh, it was a wild one, but Chad Henney saves the day. Who would have thought? Who would have thought? Yeah, I don't know if Chad Henney saved the day or as much as Patrick Mahomes spotted his team a 12-point lead and said, just please hold on to it for me. It was when Patrick Mahomes went out, it was 22-10. to 10. Final score was 22-17, to 17, and they they just barely held on. It was I, – I couldn't remember the last time I watched the Chiefs game and was worried they were going to lose because I always just – the, if the Chiefs have a have a six point lead, I just think, oh, like they have Patrick Mahomes, it's it's fine. And this this game, the Chiefs felt vulnerable. It was twenty two seventeen, and Chad Haney threw one of the worst passes I've seen this year. I'm not really sure. Maybe his receiver stopped running, but the ball definitely floated on him, and 
and picked it off whenever they kind of had a good drive going. And they they felt when when Mahomes went out, they just felt so vulnerable. And I hadn't I hadn't watched the Chiefs game in so long and felt that feeling. Oh yeah, it was it was it's odd when the best player in the game is no longer there and then Chad Henney comes in to replace him. But hey, I don't want to hear it, Zach. That was not that was not respectful towards Chad Henney. Did you not see him on on third and fifteen? Laid out on the line. Chad Henney probably has I don't know what well, here's another thing. Isn't it great that the Chiefs sat their their starters last week? So Chad Chad Henney got some important reps week seventeen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a that's always a decision that kind of like when when the when the first number one team loses, the the coaches always get in trouble for sitting their players and all that. But that definitely came into play. But I don't know, Chad Henney. It's it's awesome that the backup quarterback came in. But Mahomes went out like about halfway through the third quarter, and the Chiefs didn't score another point. So Henney Henney got the job done. He did just enough. But if they hadn't, if Mahomes hadn't spotted them that twelve point lead, Henney wasn't winning that game. Hey, if Mahomes scored touchdowns in the second quarter, it should have been thirty to three. But hey, but I'll I'll give it to Cleveland. I mean, I I don't know. I feel like every time they talk about the Browns, obviously you have their run game. You have Baker Mayfield having a great really season now. He had a it was it was a run for a while, and now I think it's most of the season. And that defense is really good. But I don't know. I just feel like Miles Garrett doesn't get. I feel like he's in the Aaron Donald conversation, and doesn't get the hype. I don't know. I don't know what it is. Yeah, he's he's a record, a game record for sure. And Cleveland, just to have the mental toughness to – they had the fumble in the end zone, which is just heart-wrenching for a Cleveland fan and the Browns themselves. And then they, they hold firm, don't let, the Brown, don't let the Chiefs go all the way down the field and score. And then for them to come back and make it a game, whenever it was 19-3 to at one point, and it felt like the Chiefs had all the momentum. It felt like the game was almost over. Um, they'd been fighting all year, and they, they fought pretty hard today. And this was even with – um their rushing attack wasn't as as prolific as usual nick chubb ended up with 13 for 69 and and cream hunt only had six for 32 and so it was really um the chiefs defense did a good job and and but the brown the browns fought the browns fought hard and and they another another respectable team goes down to a great team yeah and and yet another game where the momentum swing is all for naught because even with Baker, it's like obviously you could see it with the whole Browns team. Patrick Mahomes goes down. These guys are like, we 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 can win this game. Um, and obviously Baker had that that interception to start the second half, but then after that, it was almost back to what we've seen all year. Um, back to back touchdown drives for them to really get them back in the game. And then they had that three and out with about four minutes left in the fourth quarter. They decided to punt, assuming they'd get the ball back. And like like you said, Chad Henney does just enough. Um, but similarly to Stefan Diggs, and it's not a surprise with the Chiefs offense because they, they're they the team that no matter who they play, their stars are going to shine. And Travis Kelsey and Tyreek Hill both go over 100 yards today. Really no surprise there because they do it every week. Um, but that's just another, I guess, impact of the Chiefs is that it's it's you can't stop both of these guys. You know, it's almost like pick your poison in a way. Um, and I think Romo yesterday during the game, yeah, I, I remember Zach texted me late saying that Romo was, he was struggling a little bit with, <laughs> with all that was going on, but Romo made a couple of really good, um, just about how Tyree kill runs a post route. But if you think about it, it's really Tyree kill run to go route across the field. I feel like he said it like 50 times during the game, but it, it honestly makes sense. It's like, this is the fastest player in the league. If they don't have a safety on the opposite side, 
that's going to be open. And if it's covered, Tyreek Hill would just sit in the middle of the field. Mahomes would hit him, and that was there all the time. Um, and it's just su- such simple things. But when you've got the fastest receiver in football and the best quarterback in football, things look really And easy. you can't really – if you double Hill, then Kelsey is in single coverage. And Kelsey was juking out linebackers all night. There were there was three or four slants or plays over the middle. Well, Kelsey gives a fake outside, and the defender just almost falls down. He was amazing too. He had 110 yards. And just the the combination of those two plus Patrick Mahomes is is unreal. You got you got the outside fastest guy ever, the inside, the best tight end in the league, and the best quarterback in the league. It was it it's just unstoppable, like you said. But uh when I when I was saying Tony Romo was struggling, Chad Henney had that awesome run where he threw he put his body on the line. Romo was going crazy. Romo was like, they're going to the AFC Championship. They're going to the AFC Championship. And as he's saying this, the replay shows he's short. And and Nancy's trying to kind of calm down a bit. And Romo can't get calmed down. He's just so excited, so happy. He's like, oh, it's 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 fourth and one. Oh my goodness. And then and then on the fourth and one, he was like, look at the body language. There's, there's no way. There's no way they're gonna throw it. And then they throw it. And Romo's always right on these like late, late game stuff. The the them being short, him being the AFC championship, that's just like you, you can't see that whenever you're in person. But the fourth and one on these fourth and ones in late game situations, Romo seems to always be right. And so that really shows how if Andy Reid fooled Romo, he had to have fooled the defense. Romo was talking about the body language wasn't ready. Um, they're not going to snap it. And right as he says, they're not going to snap it. They snap it. Um, balls of steel for Andy Reid. Gets the fourth and one with Chad Haney to Tyreek Hill. Surprise the defense, and then they get to go to the AFC Championship. Balls of steel. Sums it up. Yeah, no, that was just – I when they snapped that ball, my eyes were – my eyes were wide open at that point. I was like, wow. Because they, they had the ball at midfield up five. Chad Henney sails that or whatever, and, oh, man, things are getting real in Kansas City. Um but yeah, Chiefs pulled out. Now, obviously, I think the biggest question now is what's up with Patrick Mahomes? And obviously the concussion protocol. I think I was listening last night to something and, and they said it was almost more of just the way he went down. It was like he got choked out. And that plus the head impact, it was more than just like a concussion protocol because I guess it was his neck too or whatever. Um, but apparently, I think ESPN was reporting he was he was trying to get his way back in the game last night or, or yesterday afternoon. And so that leads me to believe I, I was, I told you Zach after the game, they'll put him in a Wes Welker balloon helmet to get him out there safely. Um, but I, I think Mahomes is playing next week. But I think when I heard that last night, I was like, okay, if, if he was, if he was, I guess, I don't know, in the right state of mind to want to get back in the game. And obviously they weren't going to let him after that awful hit he took. Um, I, I think we see Mahomes. Yeah, everything I've said, I've uh, read says the Chiefs are optimistic he'll play, and so that's that's good because Chad Henney was super fun for a fourth quarter, but you don't want to see Chad Henney play the Bills for a whole game. You want to see Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen trade punches. Um, but the way that Mahomes went down, like you said, it, it looked like he got choked out. It didn't really look bad, but the way he got up, there was no way he would come back into the game after everybody saw him take a step and, and go down to a knee. Um, nobody. After, after all the work the NFL has done to, to try and protect players, I feel like there's just no way they're going to let him go back in the game after after seeing that that kind of reaction after a hit, even though the hit wasn't too violent or anything. But another point to 
his state of mind was like right after the game, he, he tweeted congratulations for Chad Henney. He, he tweeted at a, the defender that hit him and said like, no worries, brother. Like, I know it wasn't a, a vicious hit. Like you're all good. And so to just be on Twitter, usually you're not on Twitter after concussion. They try and get you to, to not have lights or, or be on technology. So I think the fact that he's on Twitter uh, looking at his phone says that he should be okay. There you go, people. Dr. McVeigh has spoken. But yeah, no, I, I think McVe- I think I think Mahomes has to play this week. And is Clyde Edwards Elaire gonna be back? I'm not really sure what his status has been. I don't think he's out for the season. Um, but something we talked about yesterday, I I guess Le'Veon Bell's washed because um Damian Williams, I think he had 13 carries yesterday, and that was the most carries he's had all season. And he had a he had a pretty good day. Um, but only two carries for Le'Veon Bell with the starting running back out. I guess I'm not sure what to think about him anymore. But um, that was kind of disappointing because you get Le'Veon Bell playing well again. That's an even crazier offense. But maybe maybe his prime is past him. And hey, he, yeah, he I think Le'Veon Bell has done. Uh, Chad Henney rushed for more yards than him, so we can we can say Bell is Bell is low down on the list of of guys getting carries for the Chiefs now. And one thing, one thing I want to talk about Dang. just before I move on to this last game is I just got a got an update on my phone. Bills Mafia has donated two hundred ninety thousand dollars to Lamar Jackson's favorite charity. I love the Bills fans; they're the best. They know they donate to charities oh. every week, whether they win or lose. They just they just donate to charities all the time. It's just fantastic. That yeah, that's awesome. I saw I saw on Sunday morning, it was. Or last night it was already at like a hundred thousand, hundred fifty thousand. Um, because yeah, they were they were. I saw a video of him coming out signing some autographs after the game and stuff like that for a couple of Ravens fans and with Bills fans and yeah, like for the people that don't know, Josh Allen, the Bills quarterback, his grandmother passed away earlier this year, and uh, Bills Mafia raised has raised over a million dollars for a local, I think, children's hospital in in buffalo and so yeah it's they they were talking about that in the game and just just so awesome and th- that that's what sports is about it's about more than just what happens on the field and so and yeah, it's that's, not that's really they're, cool they're not see. donating like like haha lamar thanks for like thanks for losing for us it was like respect you as an opponent like we're sorry you got hurt like good luck to you like which is yeah i mean it's still good if you're donating money like you're still donating money no matter what but but just the fact that it's a respect donate uh for an opponent that's just really cool yeah, and that kind of goes in like the there was a lot of buzz on Twitter about guys like Alvin Kamara donating to some charities. He's if you won your fantasy league with Alvin Kamara, like here's a charity he's involved with. Like go don't that five hundred dollar pot you just won, put put some of that money there. And so um just another way for during trying times, NFL fans find ways to give back. And that, that that's what it's all about. And so um sucks when your team loses, but I think Lamar Jackson and uh Baltimore fans, you know, they've you can't you can't help but smile at yeah. that man. It's just awesome. um. So how about this this Bucks Saints game? Probably the probably the most fun game of the weekend. It was just so close. It was a one possession game the whole time until the very end. Um, what did you think about that game, Andrew? Oh, it's just awesome. And I don't know, man. I I don't know if I'm just so mystified by this combined age thing between Brady and Breeze, but like these two were older than the two head coaches of. The Rams and the Packers. That's insane. The two starting quarterbacks for this game. And like I said earlier, there were moments in the first half where it looked like both of these guys were 40 plus. But 
because a lot of the a lot of the the scoring in the first half was just weird with Saints obviously you had you had the punt returns early you had um the trick play with Jameis and then for the Bucks you had <clears throat> you had the interception that was pretty much a pick six and that was really the story of the night for the Bucks three turnovers and three touchdowns off of those turnovers and that's what Brady's done his whole career you know he he plays a a patient style of football doesn't make mistakes cash in on your opponent's mistakes and um, that's exactly what Tampa Bay did last night. And Devin White, if if you're not talking about Tom Brady this morning, you're, you're talking about Devin White because he is he is a absolute wrecking ball of a linebacker and uh, one of the future studs of that position. Yeah, he had a great game. Forward. He had that pick at the end. Um, used his hands really well and then stiff armed the mess out of a Saints receiver. I loved how physical he was. He could have tried to juke him out or everybody. He, he reared back and he just stiff armed the dude so hard. Um, yeah, yeah, and Devin White, I, I love Devin White because he goes all the way back to in high school. He was actually from Louisiana, went to LSU, but he was he was about the same size he was now in high school. He was probably 6'2", 225, 230, but he was dead set on playing running back in college. And LSU, Alabama, everyone wanted him. But LSU was like, all right, we'll let you play running back. And Rolls, first, first day of practice, they're like, all right, bro, you're, you're with the linebackers. And that was that. And I think everyone who kind of followed his recruitment knew he was going to end up at linebacker, but he was dead set on playing running back in, co- in, in uh, college. It would have been fun to see because he is a human wrecking ball. But, yeah, he's he's turned into one of the studs at linebacker in the NFL. Yeah, so I was really cool impressed with the that. Saints defense all night because when the when they had the, the Bucks had to go the full field, they almost never scored. They got a few field goals. But like you said, it, they only really scored their touchdowns off turnovers and short fields. The Saints defense played great. And also the Bucks defense played great. The Bucks defense has the number one rushing attack in the league all year. And they kind of that, that that's hurt that hurts the Saints a lot because they rely on Alvin Kamara and that run game so much to kind of open it up for Drew Brees. Brees only, only ended up with 19 for 34, 134 yards, uh one touchdown, three interceptions. So without with the with the Bucks run defense playing really well and three picks from the Saints, they they had an uphill battle, and you got to really give it to the to the Bucks defense for pulling this game out. They played great. Yeah, and it it, it was kind of the same story almost on defense both ways. A lot of both both teams playing two deep safeties, begging the opposing quarterback to to try to beat them deep. Um, and obviously, with the Saints, their vertical game hasn't been what it had been with Drew Brees this year, as we've seen in years past. Um, and Brady, that's that's really their offense with Antonio Brown, Mike Evans, Chris Godwin. They want to get deep, and the Saints really prevented them from doing that all night. Um, and so, so you didn't see the big nights from from Mike Evans, from Chris Godwin. Really, I mean, the two leading receivers for Tampa Bay was backup tight end Cameron Brate and then Leonard Fournette. And so Brady had to do a lot of checkdowns, a lot of just kind of quick passes because one, the the biggest thing was the Saints weren't going to let Brady and then beat them deep. They had one deep pass to Godwin that he almost snagged it, but it was, it was just a half step behind it. Um, but yeah, the saints, the saints in the bucks really had the same game plan. It was like, all right, we're going to let you throw it in front of us. Go ahead. And for the saints, no Taysom Hill, um, backup running back Latavius Murray was out, but you've got Michael Thomas back four targets, zero catches for Michael Thomas last night. Really, really good stuff from the, the secondary um, of Tampa Bay. And yeah, they for sure. Away. And Scotty Miller did have that one 30 yard catch for a, for a first down. That was big. That set them up. Um, that was, that was really the only other deep pass that they completed, but 
Yeah, and the the Saints had to bring James Winston in for their for their long throw. They didn't. I don't know if it was just the package or or what, but they didn't. I guess they didn't trust Drew Brees to to make to make the long throw and and not having Taysom Hill. Uh, he he adds a whole new dimension to their offense. He adds a bunch of stuff you have to prepare for. And not having him, I think, hurt a lot more than maybe maybe was was talked about. Um, just because of all the th- different things that he can bring and make the defense uh, kind of have to prepare for a bunch of different things. And when he's in, you have to account for him at all times. And so not having him uh, was a big factor. Exactly. And then um, their punt returner. What, what was their punt returner's name? I can't remember. Yes, Deontay Harris. He he had missed a lot of time this season um, with an injury, came back. He was great, but he went out in the second quarter um, with a neck injury and didn't come back. And so – it was really that he Breeze had Kamara and he had Michael Thomas, but a lot of those other guys weren't out there. And I completely agree. I don't care what anyone thinks about Taysom Hill. Um, but that's some that's a guy you have to game plan for a lot differently than really any other player at any other position because he can do so much. And the fact that they didn't have to do that um, is a huge advantage. And if you can solely just have to focus on Drew Breeze, there's a lot less going on with that offense. Yeah, and, and that probably that accounted time. for why they were able to take away Michael Thomas so well, not having Taysom Hill. Yeah. And and it really just came down to for me, you know, it was what, 20 to 20 or 13 to 13 at halftime. Um, And after that opening drive in the second half for New Orleans, it was done. Like the Saints were really done after that point. And yeah, you had the turnovers from Breeze. Yeah, you had the great plays by the the Tampa Bay defense. But Brady made the big throws late. Like you said, that pass to Scotty Miller the back shoulder fade to the rookie Tyler Johnson out of everyone on that offense who's going to who Brady's going back shoulder to it's the rookie who's had 12 catches this season but it was a phenomenal play phenomenal throw and Brady made the big throws late and they got it done and I'm I'm just I cannot wait I cannot wait to see Tampa Bay yeah and Bay the, the last thing I'll say about the the Buck Saints is it's the whole the old saying it's hard to beat a team three times in one season the Saints had already beat the Bucks twice they killed the Bucks the last time they played and Bucks came out ready to, ready to go this time and, and got the W. But for looking forward to next week a little bit, it'll be so fun. And, and this, this top-ranked Bucks rushing defense against the rushing attack that we talked about for the Packers, can they make the Packers one-dimensional and really make Aaron Rodgers beat them, which Aaron Rodgers is fully capable of. But that will be, that'll be the, the, one of the big storylines is if the, if the Bucks can shut down the, the Packers' great rushing defense and the Packers' great offensive line, um, that, that'll be one of the big keys to win this game. Yeah, because that 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 Bucks rush defense is really good, and they have a really solid defensive line. We've talked about Devin White, but Levante David, a veteran linebacker who is playing amazing too. Those Devin White and Levante David were filling holes last night. Kamara had a decent game, but there was nothing really passed. Um, Jason Pierre-Paul got penalized for tripping uh, Kamara. That was the only that was the only big hole I saw last night for Kamara. Um, but yeah, and so can guys like Devin White and Levante David step it up again like they did against that New Orleans run game because they're going to have to because you can't let the run game get going against Green Bay with Aaron Rodgers on the other side. Um, and that, I'm honestly more – I'm excited to see that because obviously we all know it's going to be Brady Rodgers all week, but those are the matchups that are going to decide this game, the Devin White and Levante David versus that. Yeah, just like this whole week Green leading up, it was, oh, Breeze versus Brady, the, the two, two of the greatest quarterbacks. And what are we talking about? We're talking about the defenses in this game and the the big name quarterbacks are great um but 
you got to have you got to have the defense step up for you to win these games. And the Bucks defense has been playing really well all year. And but so is the Packers. And so once again, it'll be these two quarterbacks. Can they figure out these the great defenses that they're facing and uh, uh, pull this game out? Yeah, I I, th- I say we hold off on on picks right now, but um, let's dive into these games a little bit. You know, um, I'm very happy that at least in my opinion, I would have loved the Ravens to beat the Bills. But from if we're going to be real, the Bills and the Chiefs are the obvious best two teams in the AFC. And I think that the Packers and the Bucks are the two best teams in the NFC. And that just that just excites me so much because I feel like we've been robbed of these games, um, the perfect matchups in the, the conference championship or the Super Bowl the last few years because of teams like the Vikings, you know, the freaking miracle plays where they're great. And then next week they get their they get killed. And it's like, well, that, that's yeah. And the wanted, fun thing about, know? like you said, these matchups is whoever wins, the Super Bowl is going to be great, too. We are guaranteed the next three games to be. Super exciting, super fun. Um, and so that's that's really all all football fans want to end this crazy season are some fun games. You don't want to – I was rooting so hard against the, the Rams yesterday because that that's one Super Bowl, the Patriots-Rams Super Bowl, where they only scored like three points. It just left the I, – I can't stand Super Bowls like that. And so I, I was one of the Rams lose just so badly um, because I just want to avoid a, a low-scoring bad Super Bowl like that ever again. Exactly. And, it, and it's like it's nice that I, I I think they might have talked about this yesterday, but all year we heard about the NFC West and no NFC West team makes it past the second round. And honestly, I think maybe that's what's different. It, like, like you said, you're rooting against the Rams because that PTSD Super Bowl of just boredom. But I feel like the same can be said with past Seattle. It's always Seattle, San Francisco, Rams. They've they've been stealing the NFC's glory from Aaron Rodgers because of those good defenses and Aaron Rodgers has had enough, you know, Aaron Rodgers is about to come out here. I don't care. Nope. Zach, I'm making my pick. Aaron Rodgers puts up 40 on Tom Brady, 40 to 21 Packers win. Oh yes. Oh, I can, I can see it. I, I, can, I'm I want, it I now, want Aaron Rodgers to come out. Oh and, man. And I want, I want to see He's Aaron Rodgers versus Patrick Mahomes so badly. The, like you said before, Aaron Rodgers, the greatest, the most naturally gifted quarterback, ever until Patrick Mahomes let's see the greatest naturally talented quarterback come up against the guy that's coming for his spot those two guys in the Super Bowl Super Bowl facing off against each other oh my goodness oh my goodness goodness we got it we got him place a parlay this week on on them because it's got to have it 2020 was a tough year 2021 hasn't been off to the best start we deserve this that match this is just it's it's Mahomes coming for Rogers crown Rogers saying hey it's not your time yet Okay, but also we gotta—we're getting way ahead of ourselves. But man, I hope that happens. Hey, Josh Allen could be like, "Hold my beer, real quick," you know, and just wreck shop and take it all, you know, because that Josh Allen's been playing just as good as everybody else. Um, but yeah, no, that that matchup is—that is the matchup. But if we're gonna be realistic, from what we've been robbed of the last who knows how many years it's been now, it seems like. We're not getting that matchup, Zach. That's just too good to be true. We are. But hey, we're going to make it happen. If that happens, we're going to the Super Bowl. Dro- we're drop going. down our, our $4,000 we'll for one of the we'll 5,000 tickets. I wonder how much the tickets are going to be. There you That'll go. Be crazy. That nut. I think I, I saw something that said tickets to um, Ohio State or the national championship wow. 
game was like two thousand a pop. I was like, wow, yeah, that is insane. Next week will be fun. Maybe but, hey. maybe Devin White, your guy Devin White, will take it away from us. He'll shut down the the Packers offense. That'll that's the guy who got to worry about to to worry about no, we, that matchup we want. I've got a different X factor, and that's going to lead me into my my fact here. I think Antoine Winfield Jr. He had near interception, but then he got the big fumble on Jared Cook, turned into a Tampa Bay touchdown. He's been really good this year as a rookie, and most know. His father, Antoine Winfield Sr., was on the Bills. Really good DB. Crazy that Tom Brady is the same age as Antoine Winfield Sr., but he plays with Antoine Winfield Jr. Yeah. All those stats about Tom Brady. He's a unicorn, man. Fantastic. And he's 14 out of his his 21 years. He's gone to a conference championship. He's just basically an automatic conference championship berth. Um, I saw one of that. And it was like since yeah. 1997, hey, we got to bring the Cowboys into okay. it. We haven't talked about the Cowboys yet. Since 1997, Cowboys Conference Championships, 24, 24 years, zero conference championships. Since 1997, uh, Tom Brady, NFC Conference Championships, one year, one conference championship. It didn't take him long to pass the Cowboys. I, I don't know if you think of this, but I feel so many LeBron similarities with Tom Brady, especially, I mean, him going to a different conference. Like Tom Brady just won up LeBron if he goes to the Super Bowl because LeBron didn't even make the playoffs. Right. Yeah, and LeBron the, got hurt. But the big similarity between those two. LA, sorry, to cut you off. But, but like LeBron goes Lakers. Oh, look, look, everybody follows LeBron to the Lakers. Brady goes to the Bucks. Oh, here comes Gronk. Here comes all these guys to the, here comes Antonio Brown. Here comes all these guys following Brady to the Buccaneers. Guys just want to follow these two guys and, and play with them and play with their greatness. Okay, so I'm glad I brought that point up because you, you you pointed out it's hard to beat a team three times in a season. To me, I think of it more as this is Brady in the playoffs. This is different. This is where I that that's almost where I give him that LeBron edge of okay, you you guys beat the Bucks twice in the play, in the regular season. Good job, but now you got to beat Brady in the playoffs, and that's not that's not half as easy. And so that's yeah, kind of how I, I mean, thought about it. That that's true and. And Brady in the playoffs is a different beast and and good for Bruce Arians for kind of letting Brady do his thing. I don't know how much credit – I wonder how much credit if the Bucks end up going to the Super Bowl. Like, how much credit do we give Bruce Arians and how much do we just say, Tom Brady, like, you, you lucked out. You got you got Tom Brady. Bruce Arians, like, you, you steered the ship. You did just enough. But Tom Brady, Tom Brady is all you really need. Yeah, and I, I hope we get real – if it comes from Brady or – I don't know, maybe it's something we hear after his career because I would love to hear how he... Because, I mean, for the first time in his career, Brady has someone to compare compare Bill Belichick to. I'm excited to hear about that whenever that day comes um, just to see, I guess, what Brady thought slash thinks of Belichick now that he's not his guy anymore. Because um, then you say, did Belichick need Brady? Obviously, there was a lot of things that went bad in, in New England this year. But if if Tom Brady can make the Super Bowl... His legacy is just who you didn't really think he could go much higher, but he if he can do the unthinkable and and, and they win the Super Bowl, there's another thing. I, like we just talked about, we would love Kansas City, Green Bay, but hey, if Tom Brady and those guys make the Super Bowl, I'm gonna have a hard time rooting against them just to just as a like f you to the world, like legacy I off I the charts. And Brady with the Patriots, you know? like I always rooted against them because they're always there. But now Brady with the Bucks, like it's it's new, it's fun, it's. 
it's it's not expected. And so I think, like you said, like he'll probably have a lot of a lot of fans when typically people like me were rooting against him with the Patriots. Now I want to see him go crazy and, and win one in his very first year at the Bucks. That would just be so fun and so cool. Exactly. It's fun to root for. I don't know. And I think this is something that I don't know how many other sports fans think this, but it's almost like you have a guy like Tom Brady. You've got a guy like LeBron James. You've got a guy like whoever. You just need to enjoy their greatness, you know, because these guys aren't coming around often, you know, and I think that's what people, why the obsession with Patrick Mahomes has gone so crazy and it's going to stay that way because a guy like Patrick Mahomes is not going to get drafted this year. He's not going to get drafted next year. He's probably not going to get drafted the next year. These are guys that are insane. And that, that's where I really feel about Tom Brady and him getting out of New England, obviously. I think the only time I've ever rooted for New England in the Super Bowl was when the Falcons were up 24 to 3 on him. And I was like, I want this to be a good game. So I started rooting for the Patriots. And I was absolutely <laughs> devastated. Yeah, whenever, whenever you root a little <laughs> bit too hard and Brady did his thing. Speaking of greatness, I got my nugget yes. for you to end here so this is the 60th straight game that the chiefs have had a lead in the game that second all time to the seahawks from 2012 to 2015 they're at 70 games and i i just i i say that to say when will mahomes ever not have the lead in a game i can't imagine mahomes never having like this <laughs> record could go on forever with mahomes as long as mahomes play i think the chiefs will have a lead in every game he ever plays in Like the, I, I agree. <laughs> hey, I, that, that streak could have easily been snapped week 17. Yeah, Andy Reid, come on, man. You can't be uh, starters. Chad Henney, Chad Henney said, not today. Not man. today. We'll get a field goal on the first drive. <laughs> there, you, <laughs> there you go. That's crazy. That is, that is very, wow. Okay, this is, this, I'm, I'm adding on because you brought up the Cowboys earlier, and this is a thought I wanted to bring up. Because when I watch the Cleveland Browns, I get a whole lot of like 2016, 2017 Cowboys vibes. And just in terms of they have that superstar O-line, they've got a really good young quarterback, and they've got just stud running backs. They have two. We only had Zeke. But I don't know. They just their, their defense is better than the Cowboys were, but just the fact the old school football they play, that just looks like what Jason Garrett and those guys were doing. Um, like when the Cowboys Yeah, I haven't thought about that, but that's really Zeke's true that. Year the way their offenses run and the way they win games is really similar. Your quarterback just goes 20 for, if you can go 20 for 25 for 250 yards and you pound it with the running backs, um, they typically win the game. And that that's really true. And the Cowboys had a ton of success. And, and the, the great thing about the, the Browns is like you said, they have two running backs. They're not going to be getting hit all the time because they have two great running backs. So they can kind of shoulder each shoulder, some of the load, and hopefully continue this for a long time. They got the the young QB and Baker, uh, the two running backs, a great a great coach. Hopefully, hopefully they can sustain it and keep going. And also Miles Garrett on the defensive end. So they'll be fun to watch in the next next couple of years for sure. Yeah, because I've been thinking about that because everyone. I mean, obviously we remember just the the elite offensive line the Cowboys had for three four years. And more than that, even and they to me, they proved if you invest in the O-line and you get it right, you can go win a Super Bowl with that. You know, if you strengthen that O-line like that, but where we are now with the Cowboys, they missed their opportunity due to all kinds of different things, whatever. Um, And so now 
I've been almost waiting to see a team. It's like, who has this elite offensive line is like, screw this 45 pass attempts a game. Like, we're just going to beat you up front because I think there's still a special place for that kind of football because we don't see that like we do every week. Um, That's why you see the business decisions against Derrick Henry. Yes, he's a freak, but most guys aren't getting 30 plus carries a week. Um, You know, and so I think that's where the Browns uh, showed this year. They can just oppose their will on people and that 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 old school age of football, I guess, isn't isn't dead just because if you can build the right O line. Yeah, for that's sure. A, that's your best strategy. And if like like we've seen these, these last couple of games, the games are kind of one in the trenches. The defensive line stopping the run game is, is huge. And so if the if the the Browns have one of the best defensive linemen, Miles Garrett and their offensive lineman can take over games, they'll be they'll be tough to beat for sure. Yeah, very interesting. Um, but yeah, that'll just about do it for this episode. We'll be back later this week, obviously breaking down more of a preview of the NFC and AFC championship game. I'm pretty sure we'll, I, I, I think we'll get an NBA episode in this week to kind of talk about the, the James Harden trade and just kind of what's going on in the NBA season so far this year. Um, but yeah, college football's behind us. We got to, we got to savor this NFL for a last, last. Oh one. yeah. We got three I'm, I'm going to be, man. I'm going to be enjoying every second. So will I. Not like I was this weekend, but I will enjoy every second next weekend. Um, but yeah, thank you, Zach, for joining me. Thank you to everybody who listens. Um, this is the latest episode of the So Close Yet So Close.